All right, guys. Happy Thursday. It is time for some uh, missional community leader coaching here on uh, on this beautiful May day. I am, uh, yeah, just super, super grateful that it seems like the weather has has turned around. And uh, so as we dive in here this week, uh, just want to thank you guys for your leadership, for how you uh, care for care for our family, how you care for uh, the folks in our congregations and our missional communities. Uh, you guys, you guys are just, you're just awesome. And uh, so thank you. And I, I hope the fact that I thank you each week doesn't just become wrote to you or you feel like I'm doing it uh, uh, some sort of obligation. Truly, uh, I'm not. And uh, I really, really mean it. Every time I have a conversation with one of my colleagues about their congregations. I am in their in their sessions and leaders and everything else. I, I am reminded again and again uh, how grateful that I am for all of you. So we are putting the finishing touches here on First Peter uh, this week. This is the last last one. Uh, Todd will be leading uh, missional community uh, at Creekside. I will be up in Fowlerville and hopefully getting into some sort of a new uh, predictable pattern of when I will be uh, at both places. So uh, so here we go. Uh, let me pray, and then we'll dive into 1 Peter 5, uh, 1 through 10. Lord, thanks for today. Thank you for uh, these leaders and their servants' hearts. Uh, I am grateful for them. Lord, I pray uh, that as we spend some time in the scriptures here together, that we might be changed a little bit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we titled this uh, whole series, uh, The Journey Home. And uh, really here at the end of of 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, we are catching a glimpse now, a vision, if you will, of what Peter sees as home. What does it look like for the people of God to dwell together in community? And uh, and what he's going to say, what he's going to talk about is, uh, is going to subvert and challenge much of the way that we think about leadership and community and all of that. Now, uh, we may we may with words say that we identify with or we you know we kind of are, are down with how Peter lays this out. However, the way that many churches, the way that uh, many of our Christian institutions in particular, uh, are structured and, and organized really uh, say something else. So uh, without further ado, here is First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. It goes like this. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, 
not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and sober, and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Man, I tell you, uh, you know, we we organize things um, in a way that uh, I, I wonder um, if Peter would even recognize. The modern church is so hierarchical, and there is uh, so much evidence play or evidence, uh, so much emphasis placed on your role and you know who is who is leading what and all this kind of thing. You know, so you see, you know, open up just about any. Uh, any church website, and what do you find in the org chart? Senior pastor, lead pastor, uh, that kind of thing. Why? Because, boy, do we need hierarchy. We love it. We want it. We want to know who has the power, who's in control. And Peter here uh, is, he is challenging something. He wants he wants to see a church community, a congregation, a missional community that is not rooted in hierarchy, but one that has as a, at its center humility toward one another. Submitting, mutual submission. This whole second half of the letter uh, is, is centered on this concept of mutual submission, of, of coming under one another, of willingly placing ourselves under one another. Um, and that, that, that's hard. That really subverts our entire uh, understanding of, of the way things are. We, are. we are so desperate for power and control that the leaders around us in most of our institutions are simply clamoring for power, for control, for authority. And once they have it, they're not going to give it up. They are going to hold on to it. They are going to fight for it uh, with everything they have. So he starts here in verses 1 through 4 by laying out the marks of the leader. What are some of the things you know, what are the qualities of a leader in, in the congregation? Well, first, they, they need to shepherd from a willing heart, right? Not, um, not because you must, he says, but because you are willing. 
as God wants you to be. The, the leader is one who, in, in the congregation, in, the, in, in Christ's community, are, is, is someone who, who wants to lead, someone who is willing, someone who uh, says, yeah, I am, I am willing to be a shepherd. And that, that is, that's a very different posture from the person who uh, feels they must, right? And I think this sense of feeling like I must take control comes, based on this broader passage, comes from this kind of sense of pride or arrogance. And, you know, and we see that all over the place, right? You know, you, you talk to or you listen to um, other uh, other pastors, other um, political leaders in particular, and there is this just overwhelming sense of I must do this because nobody else can do it, and I. I am the person for the moment. I am the man of the hour, that kind of thing. That's, that's not, uh, this, this idea of willing um, is supposed to come from a place of humility that, that says, yeah, I'm not ready for this. I'm kind of overwhelmed by this, but I'm willing. I'm willing to do this. I will, I will submit myself to Christ and I will choose to submit myself to the broader congregation uh, in, in an act of service to care for, uh, to care for the people in the community. This is, this is the, the image here that we have. Remember, to be a shepherd wasn't, um, you know, was not a glamorous job. To be a shepherd uh, was to be one who is on the outskirts of society in a lot of ways. It was one who was doing hard physical labor. It was one that was dirty and um, and not. It's just it's just not glamorous. It's doing the hard work of caring for for the flock. Now, you know we have turned. We, we have turned the role of shepherd in the American church into a glamour job, into something that is um, to almost to be wanted or desired, right? We, we, we literally have a phrase called celebrity pastors. There is an entire TV show dedicated to the kinds of shoes preachers wear. Come on. Do 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 you, do you see the disconnect here? We go from a willing shepherd who is to serve and care for the flock in the hard, gritty, no holds barred, you know, out on the edge kind of part of the of the world, to celebrity, to one who has power and fame and glory. That's that's not the image that we have here. It says that we should that that leaders, elders should not pursue dishonest gain, but be eager to serve. Uh, 
right? Um, you know, there's a one of my favorite people on social media is a guy named David Hayward who goes has the uh, the moniker Naked Pastor on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook, and he uh, he has this cartoon that is. That, that he's drawn and it is one, it is one of my favorite images where you have pastor Bob in the pulpit saying it's all about Christ, but then all surrounding pastor Bob are neon signs and lights that say, you know, buy pastor Bob's book, you know, go to pastor Bob's website, pastor Bob, this pastor Bob, that pastor Bob, pastor Bob, pastor Bob. And it's, it's all about pastor Bob, even though he uses words, Let's say it's all about Christ. The reality of the church experience, the reality of that community is that it is centered and axised around uh, around Pastor Bob. And if that is not one of the most true images and pictures that we see of the American church in so many of our communities, I don't know what is. It is scary and sad. And this is what so many of us pastors, elders, leaders have become. We are first and foremost to be eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. We are to be as elders. We are, we are our first and foremost. Our primary responsibility is to be an example for the rest of the community. They should be able to look to us, as Paul says, look at, follow me as I follow Christ, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? We are, we are to be, in some sense, the first among equals that, that people can look at us and say, ah, by looking at their lives, I can see Christ. I can see love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, Right? And is that heavy? Is that heavy that that's on us as leaders? Is that heavy that's on the, the elders of the community? Yeah, it is heavy. But that said, to be an elder in the community of faith uh, is not some sort of office of power, but it is, a, it is a place of service and care and concern. And so... When you, when you remove the power thing, when you remove the celebrity aspect, it changes it a little bit. It allows us some freedom to not be perfect in, in all of that. Um, and it's okay that we're not perfect because our, our rest, our trust is to be, uh, to be resting and trusting in Christ and not in our own ability to try to put on some show. So our hearts, our focus is on, is on service. And third thing uh, is that we should shepherd from a desire to please Christ, right? We want, you know, verse 4, he says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. The goal of serving the community is so that when Christ, when we face Christ, he will look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's, that's why, that's why we serve. 
We serve not because it's going to bring us riches, power, and glory. We serve because someday we want Christ to look at us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. The moment it becomes something other than that, then then we've lost the plot. We've lost the we've lost the direction. We've lost the sense of of what it is that we're supposed to be about. And so you think about you think about so many of our Christian leaders today and they don't bear these marks because leading in the church has become something else. It's not this. It's not the description that we see here in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. It's personality cults, celebrity pastors. So, you know, those of us that are elders, those of us that are, that are in these positions of service, we need to constantly be checking ourselves. We need to constantly be asking the simple questions of, you know, why? Why am I serving? Am I serving for the accolades? Am I serving for the power? Am I serving for the control? Or am I, am I serving because I want to model the Christian life for the congregation? I want them to see Jesus in me so that someday Jesus will look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. The second thing we see here is the mark of the follower. Um, you know, if you're not an elder, what does that what does that look like? Well, he he, verse five, uh, kind of part A, right? You've got five A and five B here. Uh, kind of wish they would have separated this because he makes a shift in the second half of verse five. But he says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Now, what's interesting is elders could mean just older people, but it's clear. Uh, from verses one through four, that he's talking about an office, that he's talking about a position within the community. Yet here, when he's talking about younger, he's literally talking about people who are younger, who are just simply younger in the faith. And so he's saying, hey, trust, trust the elders, trust those people who have gone before you, who are older than you, who are more mature than you, trust them. And that's an important word, right? Because, I mean, you think about, you think about, how many of us, all of us, we knew everything when we were 18. It is what it is. We knew it all. You get older and you realize that you didn't know it all. And you look back and you think, man, I should have listened to some of those people. And so what Peter's simply saying here is, hey, younger folks, trust some of what the older folks have to say. They actually might know something. So give them a little bit of respect and trust them. Trust that they've been there before you. Give them a listening, you know, hear them out, understand that they love you, they care for you, and they're trying to model Christ for you. Now, here's the thing. That only goes so far as these elders are living out verses one through four, right? If, you know, you're not, you don't need to submit to somebody who's just a narcissist. You don't need to submit. You don't need to, you don't need to trust somebody who is lording it over you, who is uh, arrogant and haughty, someone who is, is all about themselves, right? That is manipulating you. That's not the kind of elder that you are to, to trust. No, you are to trust an elder that looks 
like verses 1 through 4. One who is shepherding from a willing heart. One who is shepherding from place of service, not personal gain. One who is who's shepherding from a desire to please Christ. If you're around that kind of person, then trust them. Right? But, uh, you know, that's, so that's the, that's the limit on that. And we don't want to miss that. Now, he broadens this out and kind of closes here with this great vision, this grand vision of what it looks like to live in community, what it looks like to come home, right? Verses 5b through 10, uh, you know, first, he says, be humble towards one another, right? All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty, might, God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Right? I mean, this is a, you know, to be humble towards one another is an act of mutual submission. It is rightly understanding ourselves before God and is also rightly understanding our neighbor before God. When you live that way, when you engage your neighbors that way, when you engage the world that way, you can practice mutual submission. You can practice this coming under one another and saying, I submit to you. I, I humble myself before you. Countercultural, totally subverting the American way of life, totally subverting the Roman way of life. Remember, you're talk we're talking about an honor shame culture in you know that, that Peter is writing to. So to humble yourself to another person was very shameful. This is not an honor kind of thing. This is, but this is a, a way for us to show uh, what humility looks like. And God takes joy in that humility. He, he lifts up. He lifts up. He shows favor to the humble, right? He, there is a, there is a joyfulness in God as he sees his people practicing humility toward one another. That, that's a beautiful thing because isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we as followers of Jesus want to do is to please God? Will we please God when we practice humility one towards another? And, and notice, notice here that this is not directed at the followers. This is the all-encompassing, all of you, elders and younger all of you practice this way all of you live together this way all of you do life together this way man and we can you know and he continues verse 7 cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you we don't have to be anxious about humbling ourselves we don't have to be anxious about submitting ourselves to one another. Why? Because God cares for us. God cares about us. Therefore, we can cast all our anxiety on him. We can trust God. We can yield to him. We can, we can rest in him. This, this is part of the beauty of, of the gospel. This is part of the beauty of living in a, in a Christian community in a community of faith, in a congregation of faith. We can, we can trust the divine. We can trust our God uh, because, you know, because he actually cares about us. But hey, things are, things are not always as they seem, right? Uh, verses 8 and 9, 
Be alert, sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Um, and because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same, undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So, you know, resist, fight. Don't just let things, just don't let the the devil kind of have you, right? Like you, he's, he's saying here, you have to, um, you have to be aware that there is temptation, that the, there is, um, that there is the possibility uh, to sin everywhere, that it's prowling around, that it's it's active. It's almost like there's a spirit, you know, you, you, we, we talk about spirits. Um, Paul talks about, uh, you know, the principalities and that kind of thing. And I think this is what Peter's getting at too, is that there is kind of a spirit in the world uh, that is that is looking to lead humanity kind of down this this dark path. Um, and so we need to be alert so that we so that we are able to see it, notice it, be aware of it so that we can resist it. We're to be of sober mind. Remember sober mind is uh, an organized mind, a collected mind, a, a mind that is intentional uh, about moving through this world. And then he says, stand firm in your faith and do so because you know you're not alone. When we, when we face, uh, when we face the temptations, when we face the trials, when we face this, when we, when we seek to resist the devil, uh, the way he puts that there, we are, we are not, we are not alone in that. Um, and so this is, uh, this, this gives us some, uh, you know, this, this gives us some hope to know that whatever we face, whatever we struggle with, it's not, it's not unique to us. I like the way that, that Peterson puts this. Uh, he says, keep a cool head, stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It is the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. You know, and and so from there, uh, we also he says here's here's also the reality. The reality is the suffering is not going to last. The struggles are not going to last. It's not going to last forever. Peterson says it this way in verse ten: the suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God, who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will give will have you put together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. So God, God is going to restore us. He is going to make us strong. He is going to make us firm. And God will make you steadfast. And so what I love about this is that, you know, the thing that we are supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to be firm. We're supposed to be steadfast. We don't have to gin that up. We don't have, we don't have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. God, God in his grace is at work doing this. He is, he is making us these things so that we can, we can enter in, we can fight and we can resist the devil. 
And then we're free. If we know, if we know that he's going to restore us, if we know he's making us strong, if we know he will make us firm, if we know that he will make us steadfast, then we are able to let go of our anxieties. We can trust this God who cares. And if he's going to make us all those things, we are also free to be humble towards one another. What a beautiful picture of living together in community this is. This this is what it looks like to be home. This is the journey that we are all on. This is what this is what we were called to be in at the very beginning, right? A chosen people. Yeah? Let's let's not forget. Let's not forget these these opening verses of um of first Peter. He says to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the father through the sanctifying work of the spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance, right? God's elect chosen, chosen for what? To be an exile, to journey, chosen to bless on a journey through the world. And what's what's the hope to come? The hope to come is grace and peace being ours in abundance through Christ. And we will live out what we see here in 1 Peter 5, 5b through 10. So uh, this, is, this is where we're heading. Uh, I think that uh, some of the some of the conversations, some questions uh, that we may want to wrestle through, uh, maybe application-wise, a challenge uh, to walk away with this week, maybe uh, simply the question of how are you doing in uh, in being humble towards one another. Uh, that's that's the tough one. How how are you doing? How am I doing? How are each of us doing in being humble towards one another? Uh, so I would encourage you to uh, wrestle through that with your with your missional community, possibly as the walk away challenge. And um, yeah, so all right, uh, that's it. That's all I got. Uh, if you have questions, thoughts, concerns, want to talk more about this, want to engage more deeply in this. Uh, please reach out to me. You know how to find me uh, in these coaching podcasts. If there is something that needs to be here, please um, please let me know, and I will be sure to add it. All right, guys, have a great weekend, and we will talk soon. Love well.